0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The best station in the nation.
2: I'm Tom Busby, CNBC Radio. Apple has responded. It's asking a federal magistrate to toss out her order that the company helped the FBI hack into a locked iPhone used by one of the San Bernardino shooters. Apple says the order tramples its constitutional rights. And the FBI is seeking what it calls a dangerous power through the courts and not through the law. Worries about a global economic slowdown sending long-term mortgage rates down this week to the lowest level in a year. A 30-year fixed-rate loan can be yours at 3.62%. No worries on Wall Street today. The Dow up 212 points, the Nasdaq up 39, and oil spiked higher, closing back above $33 a barrel, which boosted energy and banking shares. Stocks also got a lift from a 5% jump in orders for durable goods last month, things like cars, computers, appliances. And first-time jobless claims rose by 10000 last week, but they're still near historic lows. I'm Tom Busby, CNBC Radio.
3: I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy, for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call
0: 1-800-597-4816. That's 1-800-597-4816. one 800 597 Four eight one six, Or go to selectquote.com. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states.
4: From the KCAA Weather Center, I'm Keith Langlots For tonight, mostly clear with low 53. Daytime Friday, sunny, a high 84. Friday night, mostly clear with a low 52. Saturday, we start our weekend, sunny and a high 80.
3: Saturday night, mostly clear with a low again, 52. Sunny on Sunday and a high 82. Sunday night, we finish our weekend, mostly clear with a low 52. And
4: Monday, starting the work week, sunny and a high 82. That's your forecast for this hour. From KCAA, 106.5 FM and 1050 AM, the stations that leave no listener
3: behind.
1: Exploring Science in the Sea. If you ever decide to walk America's coastline, you better make sure someone's taking care of your dog. It's going to take a while. According to NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the ocean coastline stretches for 88,633 miles. Actually, NOAA has two measurements for the coastline. The other yields a length of just 12,383 miles and both measurements are a bit arbitrary. That's because there's no internationally recognized definition of what a coastline really is. To get the shorter number, for example, NOAA uses something called General Coastline. It's compiled from maps that are relatively coarse, like a single map of the entire country where all the intricate detail is turned into smooth, even lines. When you go on your coastal walkabout, though, you probably don't want to use that system because you'll end up walking right into the water. Instead, you'll want to use the system that yields the much longer coastline. It's compiled from much more detailed maps, those that show only a small portion of the coastline. This system, known as Tidal Shoreline, includes all the contours of bays and estuaries, for example, plus the detailed outlines of islands, capes, and other bits of land. The system even measures the mouths of rivers and creeks up to a certain point inland. Not surprisingly, the state with the longest coastline is Alaska, with almost 34,000 miles along the Pacific and Arctic Oceans. A pretty good jaunt all on its own. That's Episode 500 of Science in the Sea, a production of the University of Texas Marine Science Institute at Port Aransas. I'm Holly Brawley.
2: Out of toner. Off to the store to buy another expensive cartridge. Hello,
0: Dave. It's your printer.
2: What? Hey, I just want to go out and buy some toner. Dave, I can't let you do that. Wait a minute. You're my printer. Printers can't talk.
0: Why are you buying expensive toner, Dave?
2: I buy it at the office supply store.
0: Dave, your company expects you to save them money.
2: How can I do that?
0: By going to the source, Dave. When you need toner, you have to go to The Source, DiscountOfficeSource.com.
2: DiscountOfficeSource.com. Here it is. You're right. Unbeatable prices. Fast and free delivery.
0: Now, Dave, order all your ink and toner supplies from DiscountOfficeSource.com and start saving money.
2: Unbeatable prices with fast and free delivery.
0: For all your ink and toner supplies, make sure you go to The Source, DiscountOfficeSource.com, and start saving. Money. K C A A.
5: Hey!
6: What the? Honey! The water just stopped in here!
3: They turned it off because you're wasting water!
6: What? What are you talking about? You
3: know! Because you know it's all about that drought about that drought. No water, it's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, 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 drought. Yeah, it's pretty clear, we're really short on blue. It's time to save it, save it, like we're supposed to do. Some say it's doom, gloom, and all our grass must go. But together we can make it and enjoy our golden state. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about
7: that drought. From the mountains to the desert, to the oceans, to all across America, and back to lovely downtown San Bernardino. Good afternoon, space travelers. I'm Bobby Neutron, along with my sidekick, Ace Rocketeer, Captain Astro Blaster, Oh, wait a minute. That's our other show. Sorry. Let me let me try it again. Let me try it again. Uh, hi, I'm Lawn Masters, along with... No, that's that's our other other show. I, I, I get, I'll get it right. Hi, I'm Rob Starr, along with... And it's, it's uh, our wonderful... I didn't get to that part yet. The tactful, talented, tedious, thoughtful, thorough, tidy, trusted, truthful, traditional, and just overall terrific, the Sultan of Sprinklers, Mr. Mike Barron. Who's hey, mobile?
6: Rob, that's a great introduction, and you might add tardy, because uh, I am on my way to the studio. Okay. have to get there, and uh, I'm glad you're taking charge and getting us on the radio wave.
7: Yeah, sorry for the wrong show. That's our other show that we got. We do later at night, after midnight. <laughs>
8: that's
6: right. <laughs>
8: People want to tune in?
6: Uh, no, actually, we wanted to tune in to us, talking about water, talking about the drought, which
8: continues in Southern California...
7: Right. You're all listening to The Water Zone on KCEA 1050 AM and 106.5 FM. And if you do want to call in and speak to uh, the Sultan of Sprinklers or myself, uh, or I guess, you call 909-888-5222. And if you're calling outside the 909 area code, it's 888-909-1050. I know, Mike, we got got a great show tonight. Um, We got a a couple call-ins, and uh, one of our guests is back east in New York. And um, I figure that the best thing to do is put him on the air and let us talk to him. And uh, uh, his name is Russell Robinson. He's the executive director of the JNF, and he's going to explain about that. And that's something that we're going to next week, a little event that they're having up here in Beverly Hills. So uh, good afternoon, Mr. Russell, or actually good evening, because you're back on the East Coast.
8: Hi, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your show.
7: You're welcome. Can you tell our listeners, I mean, I know what the JNF is, and can you tell us a little about what it is, what you do, and what's the great events coming up here?
8: So the Jewish National Fund is an organization devoted to uh, uh, working with the land and the people of Israel. It's 115 years old. It was established uh, to repurchase the land for the Jewish people. Uh, We're best known around uh, the world as well as uh, tree planters. Uh, We planted over 250 billion trees in Israel, hand-planted. It was a land that uh, Mark Twain wrote about in the 1800s. Uh, that was devoid of any vegetation. Matter of fact, he said, "Whoever uh, the Lord prom- promised this land to, should ask for refund." Uh, and today, <laughs> it's a country that has 250 million trees—it's the only country that ended the last century with more trees in it than it began.
7: And you can even see them from space.
8: It's uh, true that you can see it from a satellite in space, from the spaceship. The defined borders of Israel come from the hand-planting of all those forests in Israel. They were planted by uh, Jews and non-Jews across the world uh, uh, for the last 115 years.
7: That's pretty
8: important.
6: It would be fascinating to calculate how much oxygen is produced by those trees and how much carbon sequestration is um, uh, undertaken by those trees. That is a phenomenal quantity. And what year did that effort gets started in
8: well you know the effort got started uh, really because uh, when the first land was purchased in, uh, in uh, Palestine at the time it was under Ottoman law and under Ottoman law you had seven years to either live on your land or plant and they brought the trees from Eastern Europe pine trees and started planting them literally for land uh, ownership then they found out about soil erosion watershed management beautification uh, forestation, and uh, that means we became this large environmental uh, organization as well. And in that is also what we're we'll going to be doing on March 2nd in Beverly Hills, where we're going to be bringing the technology and the know-how that we have learned over all of these years from Israel to California and around the world.
6: <laughs> and
8: that's, that's the tie into water, isn't
6: it, that there's going to be some focus on water technologies the water ethic that is so embedded in the Israeli uh, population, I mean to have grown up in the desert, so to speak uh, you have to have a just a much more deep understanding of the value of water than many of us who have just grown up with plenty you know that we know that water comes from the tap it's always there and and there's just a different perspective I think between. What the Israeli culture um, believes is the importance of water, and, and I think the American culture, although during our California drought of now the fifth year, we're starting to acquire some of that uh, some of that water ethic also.
8: Well, the reality is is that uh, you know you have to look at all of the issues that faced uh, the people of Israel in 1948. It was a country of six hundred and fifty thousand, seven hundred thousand people. Today, it's a country of eight million people. You have not had that kind of growth anywhere in the world. So if you take even the western part of the United States where you've had movements of people out to the west, you haven't had that kind of uh, percentage increase in, on, on a very small piece of land. So for Israel it became a necessity. How do you bring water from the north to the south? How do you keep farms going? And Israel, the Jewish National Fund, took it as a responsibility and an opportunity to, to reuse water. So Israel today reuses 90% of its water. And the country number two is Spain at 20%. You know, the United States at about 4 to 6%. So you can see that every drop counts. Every drop is reused. Uh, and that is the, the, the philosophy of the people, the spirit, and to come up with technologies. And that's why... One of the features on our, our March 2nd uh, Water Summit, and you can go on jnf.org and sign up still for the March 2nd Summit. Um, and one of the pieces that we're bringing is a book that was written by a guy named Seth Segal called Let There Be Water. That's talking about the innovation and, and how it created... Uh, from a water yeah, it created itself from a water catastrophe to water of, to a country of abundance water today yeah
7: we had uh, we had seth on the, we had Seth on the show a couple of weeks ago and also the uh, consul general uh David Siegel on the show and uh it, it was great it was the most fascinating thing i've ever heard of 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 how you how you had a desert with nothing and all of a sudden you got an immense amount of water that you even sell to other countries so we were we're amazed i was i was looking at the list today uh i think you you probably know marina radetsky uh she had sent me a list a guest list of who's who's coming and who the speakers are and we we also are going to be there and get to do some interviews with uh, some of those people we're we're very ecstatic about that and excited i mean there's anybody but anybody everybody and everybody that you know in the water business is going to be at this thing so uh it's going to be real super so we're we're very excited to go mike and i
8: so uh, thank you for coming. We're looking forward I'll personally greet you. And to anybody else, it's on March 2nd in Beverly Hills. And again, go to org if you want our site.
7: Excellent. You still there? Yes. Yeah, so, oh, okay. Sorry. Uh,
8: sorry. I, at our Water Summit, what we're trying to do is exactly what you said, bring the Israel's know-how technology and bring the idea of the crisis that we face in the United States and around the world on water and and how we can reverse it. How a little country in Israel full of desert, but a growth of population, a growth of water use. Judy
0: was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy Judy. (laughs) The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
2: Ch-ch-chumba.
0: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
8: All of the issues that, that face us, you know, it's not a population that grew to Israel that was living in tents. It's a population that grew in Israel utilizing uh, toilets and, and flushing water and brushing their teeth and doing all the things that we do in a Western civilization. So it's a high water use of trying to create farmland uh, and to feed their people and to export food. And yet it took to still the same drops of water to come. That, that area of the country doesn't know from borders. So you can talk about the borders you want. It's not about borders. It's about making a difference because every day you wake up and you want to create life. And that's the story of the water systems in Israel. That's the story of Jewish National fund That's the story of the land and the people of Israel.
7: Excellent. Well, we're going to catch up with you then on next Wednesday. And I appreciate you coming on. I know you're a three-hour difference, and uh, you probably have things to do at 9.15 at night. So uh, we'll say goodbye to you, and then we'll catch you on next Wednesday.
9: Thank you very much. Andy. All right. Thank you very much. What you all have done is just uh, a real inspiration. So thank you.
7: Alright, we're gonna take a little break. We'll be back to you listening to the water zone on KZ K sorry we're laughing, we tried a microphone switch here. <laughs> and, uh, on on KCA AM 106.5 FM.
3: Are you looking for the right place to purchase your landscaping items? Well come see us at Hydroscape. Hydroscape offers a large selection of irrigation products, including Irritrol and Toro, such as their efficient precision nozzles. For 40 years, Hydroscape has been family owned and operated, serving Southern California. With 17 locations, our knowledgeable and experienced staff is equipped to help you with all your irrigation, landscape, and outdoor living projects. Whether you're installing irrigation systems, wanting to maintain a healthy landscape, or simply create a beautiful lit space for outdoor entertaining, Hydroscape is the place to go. Visit our website at hydrascape.com for more information and find helpful articles on our blog or call our customer service center at 1-800-395-4477.
5: Are your monthly water bills draining your wallet? Then you need Valley Soil, your one-stop expert on water conservation to save you water time and most of all money. With over 35 years of experience, Valley Soil has implemented numerous conservation programs for water districts throughout California. They have performed over 12,000 water audits and installed over 300,000 smart irrigation products for municipalities, residential, and commercial property owners, saving over 293 million gallons of water each year. That's enough to fill 15,000 swimming pools. Their services also include indoor water audits, leak detection, retrofits, Reclaim water systems, and manage water use and data tracking. As certified irrigation auditors and a state-licensed landscape contractor, you can trust them to be knowledgeable about the services you need, products they install, and best practices in water conservation. For an individualized water solution for you, contact them today at 888-268-1009. That's 888-268-1009 or valleysoil.com. Remember, when it comes to innovative ideas to save water, Valley soil never lets you run dry.
7: Hey, welcome back to the water zone on Thursday afternoon with Mike and Rob. Hope everybody's having a great day. We got to. A- Excellent guest now. He's kind of one of my favorite guys that we like to talk about. And we actually get to, we've gotten to meet him and talk, work with him, and he's, he's just a super guy. Good background. It's the California Secretary for Natural Resources, John Laird. And he was appointed the California Secretary for Natural Resources by Governor Brown on January 5th, 2011. He spent 40 years in public service, including 23 years as an elected official. He was a city councilman uh, up where he, he lives, in the, uh, past the Bay Area, uh, and and Michael'll give you a little thing about that and uh he was a uh a mayor for a couple of years, and then he went into the assembly for a bunch of years and now he's the California secretary of natural resources he's made Lots of different things in climate change adaption, water conservation, supply reliability, enhanced relationships with tribal governments, state parks access, farmland conservation, and ocean sustainability, among other top issues. And as secretary, he provides administrative oversight to 30 departments, commissions, councils, museums, boards, and conservancies. And sits a member of 16 conservancies, councils, boards, and commission with the purview of the agency. And yet, he had time to meet with us, and I, I appreciate that.
9: And I think that just demonstrates his commitment to doing what's necessary to to, to conserve water, to reduce outdoor water use, to really manage our California resources in a smart and uh, intelligent way. You know, what impresses me so much about John Laird is that he doesn't wait for a crisis to drive action. It seems like In each of the droughts that have occurred in California, he's preceded those droughts by three to four years with legislation designed to prepare for droughts.
7: And he was the famous guy that did AB, 1881.
9: Yeah, and and before that, he did several different uh, pieces of legislation. This gentleman has actually authored something like 82 different pieces of California legislation, and he has focused on natural resources within the state of California uh, in, in all this effort. So, uh, well, let's bring them on. Okay.
6: It's a
4: pleasure to be here.
6: Thank you very much. It's, uh, I'm really excited about this opportunity because... We both are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not only have I listened to you speak in the past uh, about water issues and natural resources in the state of California, but it turns out in doing some research about you, um, that I was a freshman going into UC Santa Cruz the year you were a senior, back in 1971-72. He's only 29, so <laughs> don't make him older. <laughs> but uh, I go, wow. You know, I have that uh, at least that one thing in common. Kind of felt felt good. But I was at Stevenson College way back then. Uh, do you recall what college you were enrolled in?
4: Oh, most definitely. I was at Stevenson College, and if you were at Stevenson living on the dorms, I probably served you in the food service line.
6: Wow. Because I worked in the food
4: you... service that year.
6: Wow, amazing. Yeah, I remember, oh my gosh, that was just such a beautiful campus. and. Uh,
7: Did you get extra French fries,
6: Mike? No, you know,
7: <laughs>
6: <laughs> but I do remember going with my tray, you know, and I got the freshman 15 for sure. That was uh, so, some good food, but uh, I don't know, do you think that spending four years there at UC Santa Cruz amongst uh, Redwoods and the uh, Pacific Ocean kind of somehow gave you uh, an experience that perhaps played a role in you becoming so involved in California's natural resources.
4: Uh, yes, I mean, for two reasons. One is is that it was just like going to school at a park. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I remember we would have classes outside in the spring, and you'd sit there and look down from the campus across the Monterey Bay to Monterey with this breathtaking view and you were in the Redwood Forest and not far from the ocean, it was an amazing thing. But the other reason it probably helped is when I was a senior, they gave you a choice in the politics department. You could take comprehensive examinations where they would bark questions at you for half a day on political theory. or you could write an undergraduate thesis, so that was no choice for me. I wrote an undergraduate thesis, and I wrote it on the history of water development in California and low and behold, really? uh, Here wow. I am. Wow, that I mean, so destiny. Uh, that that's uh,
6: I don't know. That just I,
7: I gave guess that helps in my thesis. mind
6: explain uh, kind of the multifaceted approach you've taken to water issues during the drought and during your tenure over the many years in the state legislature. Um, With common sense. Yes, so yes, that's you. kind of like, when you spoke at the water summit at the, at the irrigation show, what struck me uh, was just simply the knowledge you had of the various constituencies that discussed and lobbied for their perspective and you seem to have a really good balance uh, in terms of understanding, but also in terms of what was practical, what was affordable, and what didn't compromise on some key key issues. Is that a skill set that you've kind of had since your experience at UC Santa Cruz, or is that something that's kind of evolved over time with the amount of uh, years you spent in politics?
4: Well, you have to develop that if you're going to survive and and to be really honest uh, in the 80s when I spent nine years on the Santa Cruz City Council, including a couple of terms as mayor, uh, it was such a rambunctious scene that there was a 50% washout for most council members from the first term to the second and you really had to learn how to balance competing interests and you learn some age-old political adages that whoever might be against you on something one day could be your best ally the next. And so don't burn bridges and maneuver to try to get things done in the best way and, and with as many people in a coalition to do it as you can. And that really has served me well at the state level. And it's interesting because coming to the Capitol, When I first came into the legislature, uh, there were people that came from urban areas where they might not be able to get in their daily newspaper, they could walk down the street that nobody knew who they were, and uh, they might have a specialized urban issue. And I came from a place where I'd been on a transit board and a transportation commission and a water board and a city council and a community college board, and I'd run a, a HIV nonprofit. And so I was a generalist and at the same time, a generalist where your handshake was your bond and you had to get along with everybody to try to survive. And it was a perfect transferable skill into the capital.
7: Well. As a a member of the state's legislature, you authored and successfully passed two significant water-related bills that have had major and positive impact on the landscape and irrigation industry, which was AB 2717, which passed in 2004, and AB 1881, which passed in 2006, which led to the implementation of the California Model Water Efficient Landscape Ordinance. Can Can you share with us what led you to develop such a significant and relevant water legislation focused on reducing water waste in the irrigation of outdoor landscapes? Well, in general, uh,
4: before getting to that topic, I really worked extensively on water conservation when I was in the legislature, whether it was the initial 20% reduction by 2020, or measuring uh, ag water so you'd have a baseline for conservation, or a bill that said you couldn't get bond money for regional planning for water unless you had best practices in place on conservation. you shouldn't develop new water unless you're managing your existing water well. Uh, And I also did this compromise uh, for the latest version of low flow toilets and to legalize waterless urinals and dual flush toilets in California. But on the landscape, uh, some of the biggest uses in parts of the state are an outdoor urban landscape irrigation. And so if we're more efficient Uh, it really affects our ability to have a sustainable water supply in the future. And you mentioned that I did bills in 2004 and 2006. Well, the 2004 bill was to set up a stakeholder process uh, to have every point of view try to work these out and see if they could get commonalities. 2005 was the year of that process, and 2006 was the year that I took the things that people mostly agreed on, moved them into a bill, and had it signed into law. And additionally, uh, at the state level, there was a creation of a model ordinance for uh, conservation and outdoor irrigation, but a requirement that over a certain time every city and county adopt their own ordinance so that they could, in a way that worked for them locally, do it. But if they didn't do it, the state ordinance uh, would be imposed on them, and it was a way to empower local control, but still make sure it happened. And then when we got to the drought, uh, it turns out that the governor's executive order uh, included that uh, process again, and revitalized it right at the time of the drought, so that we could go back and try to enforce and revisit some of those things, because it became necessary uh, when water was cut. So uh, it, it really was pr- part of a broader view, but at the same time, and that one issue, people had been stymied for years and people had argued for years, and it was a way to bridge the gaps and uh, try to move ahead and get things done. But you think about,
6: you know, AB 325, kind of the predecessor uh, to AB 1881 back I- instituted in 1992. Uh, a lot of years passed from 90, 1992 to 2010 when the implementation of AB 1881 uh, brought forth the, the Model Water Efficient Landscape Ordinance, which we in the industry like to refer to as Wheelow. But uh, the interesting thing is that water budgeting, ET adjustment factor, plant factor have now become institutionalized within the landscape community.
0: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
6: Way to assess the efficiency of that irrigation system and that it's integrated and in part and parcel of the plant selection process. So not only was that a big move forward in terms of water management of outdoor water use for landscape irrigation, but it, it institutionalized a framework in a way that has allowed for... Um, New advances in in reducing that water footprint I think that 's really quite an achievement uh, i don 't think i 've ever heard people discuss or give you credit for that, but I think at least for those of us that are in the know it, it the framework is is uh, is as important as the actual water savings from the implementation of that would you Would you agree with that or do you have a different perspective
4: no i agree and uh, but the thing about it is is that there's sort of this larger change that's going on, and that is in the 60s and the 70s in California. I don't know what the word is. There was just abundance. There was abundance of water. People felt like it was limitless. Swimming pools were put in across the desert in Palm Springs. Uh, you know, people put in huge yards. And then as we headed into an area where we had more droughts and now 38 million people, and just about 39, uh, it is not as limitless as we thought water was in the 60s and the 70s, and it forces people to think more efficiently, and it really laid the groundwork for this whole process. And In many ways, when you set a goal or you set up a framework, then people come up with exactly the solutions you just named, because suddenly there's an incentive to do it. I mean, we did it in California, and I was a mayor at the time, it's 27, 28 years ago we said we were going to divert 50% from landfills, and at the time I thought, great goal, it will never happen. And now we divert 60% and we're on our way to 75 because we gave the incentives, we gave the framework, and now there aren't many new landfills that are ever needed in California and people are getting much more efficient and recycling and keep people out. It was those goals, it was that framework, and with water conservation and outdoor urban landscape irrigation, it was the exact same premise.
7: Well, to, fo- to follow up on the, the uh, speech you gave at the uh, IA show about where we've been and what's ahead regarding the drought, can you kind of give us a synopsis of that and for our listeners?
4: Well, I think that, that The synopsis is, in general, uh, and we had not started to have some rains at the time I spoke to that conference, in general, we're coming out of four intense years, and those four intense years have been marked by things we haven't seen in California. I mean, uh, there was, if I can remember it right, two years ago, January, maybe it's three, There were no significant fires in California. Two years ago, January, we had 473, including two in Humboldt, which is arguably the wettest place in the state. We had over 50 days consecutively without rain in the middle of the rainy season, breaking records of 1924 and 1884 in Sacramento and Redding. Uh, We had a 0% allocation Uh, from the state water project and the federal water uh, projects in California, the same allocation, unprecedented, never happened before in California. Uh, Farmers uh, really fallowed almost 500,000 acres. It was a loss of a few billion dollars to the state economy. 17,000 workers just from that industry alone were laid off uh, uh, coming out of that. And it it really meant that um, we were in a crisis. We had to have mandatory reductions. The people responded. At the same time, it set the <clears throat> it set the the groundwork for the water bond to be passed and for the ground first groundwater management uh, scheme in California for moving uh, through statute to sustainable groundwater and. We are really, uh, we have a water action plan that looks forward and says this is what we need to be sustainable in California. The water bond was fixed on it so that it really says we need some more storage, conservation as a way of life, water recycling, um, you, you know, some uh, groundwater storage uh, un- underneath. Uh, you know, stormwater capture. There's many, many things that we can, because California historically has always done one big thing at a time. You do the State Water Project, or you do the Colorado River, or you do the Owens Valley, or you do the Federal uh, Central Valley Project, and now we're saying you have to do all of the above. And so that has been a real change, and we are in the first rains, although as we take this, we're in the middle of a lull starting to make me nervous uh, uh, in the rains in California, and uh, it would take probably 250% of normal years in a row to pull us out of the drought. We're not even sure we would get that this year. So we're going to have to continue all these things that are uh, water planning and drought uh, uh, you know, response uh, into the next year, and yet uh, people have awakened. They've energized. They're doing. They're saving themselves. They've voted for money. Uh, a lot of things are happening, and I think it comes from that sense of of drought, but also that sense that w- we can't waste any more time in trying to be ready for the future.
6: I had heard um, that, and this surprised me because. Rob and I try to pay close attention to what's going on with water in the state of California for purposes of sharing that information with our listeners. And it was that in the last uh, 10 years, 2015 on back, that only in two of those 10 years has the state of California actually had its average historical rainfall or more. And that eight out of those years we've had less than, of course four of the years was the drought, the historic drought, And as you said, we're not out of that drought, but when you think that the infrastructure, the California water infrastructure uh, was built for more than just two out of ten years having average or above average rainfall, you're right. There needs to be continued effort, continued sensitivity to uh, being as efficient as we possibly can
4: and continuing to
6: invest in all of the above. Um, but
4: given what you just said, uh, the interesting thing is is there was a study almost a year ago right now out of Stanford, the Woods Institute, and it really said the last 15 years in California have been among the driest in recorded modern time. Wow. And they are markedly different from the preceding years. And, and one of the scientists affiliated with the study
7: actually said I think that if there was
4: uh, a campaign to really put it in front of them, I think most people would get that uh, <clears throat> that is an important piece of legislation. It's something that we should do. It's not with the traditional overtones of uh, as if you're weakening CEQA, and there's really a need to expedite uh, water recycling plants in the tough times we have with water right now. And those goals come together. And uh, there really shouldn't be, across the political spectrum, major opposition to that bill. So I'm hoping that somebody really runs with it in a way that they put it in front of people, they make them face it, they educate them, because I just don't see how it doesn't pass if that happens.
7: Yeah, I certainly want our listeners to... uh Call their legislatures and tell them what's going on. So they, that, again, that's part of why we started this show back in June to separate the myths from the facts and to get people to understand what the true things are. They've heard so many rumors and stories. You know, that everything shifts to the wrong direction. So
4: oh, we uh, certainly appreciate if you're, if you're truly going to separate myths from facts, you can be on the air 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll take
7: this national. <laughs> that's our next our next step.
4: Well, I, you know
6: uh, what. Rob and I have both learned by having the opportunities to uh, spend some time with individuals like yourself and water agency general managers. Felicia Marcus. Yeah, Different different people involved with water. It's uh, the amount of effort, knowledge, concern that goes into providing a water infrastructure. Delivering quality water to Californians throughout the state. Uh, I've just been taken back by just how uh, it appears to me to be very sincere effort, very uh, smart people thinking, um, coordinating, sharing ideas, um, and it's 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 really something. Especially in light of what's happened in Flint, Michigan, which is you know just a I don't know. It's hard to put a word on it other than, you know, catastrophe, but uh, I just, um, you know, we just are so spoiled in California with respect to, at least in urban communities, in large urban communities, with the quality of water and the quality of service. In the past, has has been, we've just gotten so spoiled by a very efficient um, water agency consortium, so to speak. Uh, and... Um, I don't know if there was something that you wanted to share. Well, you
3: you know,
4: just with what you were just saying, the interesting thing in California is, yes, we're spoiled. uh, Because when you get 25 million people get water that originates as melted snow and and comes through the system, there's a certain amount of purity, there's a certain amount of water quality that exists. Uh, The thing about it is, though, is we can never take it for granted. Just as they uh, had the problem in Flint, Michigan, as you jam more and more people into California, you always run the risk of some kind of urban interfaces. And, you know, I did research in my home territory once years ago, 30 years ago, when I was on the city council about why certain water systems were abandoned. Uh, toward the big one, and they were abandoned because there was urban development in the watershed, Uh, there was urban runoff, water purity wasn't the same, and we've been very lucky to obtain and protect the watersheds around some of these reservoirs in ways that we know we're getting pure water and it's not been threatened, and so, uh, but we always have to be vigilant. There's always a chance, and I think, you know, the Flint, Michigan situation is as tragic as they come. It is just awful, and there's some negligence that appears to have happened in there. But, you know, you have to be vigilant constantly. You always have to make sure that will not never happen. You always have to protect the public's interest. You always have to know that the water quality is at a standard that you'd want your kid or your niece or nephew or your neighbor's kids to feel safe drinking and uh, and so I'm sure that there are many people in the California water world that hold that truth close to them all the time and it you, 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 you're with a public trust and you always have to remember it
6: that's definitely impressed me in talking to the various people associated with water production in the state of California is that 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 uh, sensitivity and that holding it as a trusted uh, honor. You know, to, it's almost like it's their personal responsibility to make sure everything goes right.
7: So, well, we, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we wanted that for a long time and we're very happy and I think our listeners are gonna gain a lot of knowledge out of, out of this and uh, we certainly respected your time for, for joining with us today.
6: Yeah. Thank you very much for your time and for your insight. And hope to hear you again if you ever run for another public office. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. there anything you ever want to get anything out, anything you want to get out to
7: California, let us know. We can come on here anytime you want. Okay. Thank you very much. It was uh, a
4: pleasure to be on your show.
7: Great. Thank you. Thank you, All right, We're going to take a little break. We'll be back at the Water Zone on KCA 10:50 a.m.
5: Are your monthly water bills draining your wallet? Then you need Valley Soil, your one-stop expert on water conservation to save you water time and most of all, money. With over 35 years of experience, Valley Soil has implemented numerous conservation programs for water districts throughout California. They have performed over 12,000 water audits and installed over 300,000 smart irrigation products for municipalities, residential, and commercial property owners, saving over 293 million gallons of water each year. That's enough to fill 15,000 swimming pools. Their services also include indoor water audits, leak detection, retrofits, reclaimed water systems, and managed water use and data tracking. As certified irrigation auditors and a state-licensed landscape contractor, you can trust them to be knowledgeable about the services you need, products they install, and best practices in water conservation. For an individualized water solution for you, contact them today at 888-268-1009. That's 888-268-1009 or valleysoil.com. Remember, when it comes to innovative ideas to save water, Valley Soil never lets you run dry.
3: Are you looking for the right place to purchase your landscaping items? Well, come see us at Hydroscape. Hydroscape offers a large selection of irrigation products including Irritrol and Toro, such as their efficient precision nozzles. For 40 years, Hydroscape has been family owned and operated, serving Southern California. With 17 locations, our knowledgeable and experienced staff is equipped to help you with all your irrigation, landscape, and outdoor living projects. Whether you're installing irrigation systems, wanting to maintain a healthy landscape, or simply create a beautiful lit space for outdoor entertaining, Hydroscape is the place to go. Visit our website at hydroscape.com for more information and find helpful articles on our blog or call our customer service center at one eight hundred three nine five four four seven seven. 395
7: 4477 Hey, welcome back to The Water Zone with Mike and Rob. Hope everybody's having a great day. Just to give you an update, um, on the first, or actually uh, the, the, the show on the third, we're going to announce the, uh, the winner of the... Uh, uh, contest that we had for uh, wherever you live. You called in, you left a number, you told us how much rain for February. Remember that? Yeah, I remember
9: suggesting to take into consideration that in uh, February of 1998, the last El Nino, it rained 23 inches in Southern California on in February. But... That so was a, so that, that'll be a wrong answer, that, right? That'll <laughs> be like a, a to, to the 10th power or something because uh, I think we've gotten less than a one inch. We have a, a new low in Southern California.
7: Well, the lucky, the lucky winner is going to win a gift certificate, and depending on what city they live in, they'll get something a little extra, and we'll have a, to go through that. A case of water? No, gotta gotta preserve water. Okay. I, you know I never understood when we go to these things. You and I go to so many of these meetings and symposiums about water. Well, not the, so many
9: that our boss would be upset. But, no, well he
7: sends yeah. us. He wants us to go that's to those. Right, right. But it's amazing how much water they give out at those places, and that people drink a little bit of the bottle, and they'd all leave it there at the end.
9: Yes, except for the uh, what's that. Uh, Southern Nevada Water Authority, the yes. Water Smart Innovations. Yes. They do not hand out any water bottles, do they? No. They have kind of like um the old style. You five lay down gallons. you lay
7: down on the ground, they put the hose in your mouth. Right. <laughs> you <laughs> kinda of get in line and
9: but no, they you know they give you the little paper cups that's biodegradable and then you get you know, you yep. you put your water in there and it's cold and so they're smart about that.
7: But you know, I don't know if they're gonna start charging for that.
9: Well maybe they should because water is a precious natural Abs- resource.
7: Absolutely. They've, they've, they've done a good job in uh, in, in Las Vegas and what they've done they with, have, with the water. They have.
9: Um,
7: and especially when you look at all those hotels and all the landscaping stuff well, they have, it, it just looks nice.
9: I, I remember the story that Pat uh, Mulroy told mm-hmm. about Steve Wynn when he wanted to build Bellagio. And the fact that he says, look, you just tell me what I need to do, but I want to have these – Fountains, these dancing waters out front. She says, "You, you cannot have dancing <laughs> waters, That's not in Vegas." You know, and he goes, "You just tell me what to do." And uh, they ended up coming in and they do their own water treatment at that facility, and they used all nothing but recycled water right. in there, and so they use just an insignificant amount of water. Uh, in yeah, that.
7: when you look at all of those hotels and how much little water they use, it's it's unbelievable.
9: Well, and when you consider the kind of revenues that are generated and the employment that's there they get a uh, big bang for the buck yes they that's do. for sure well you know i've got to tell you something um i got a chance to listen to uh cynthia barnett she wrote she, that she, book she's an author she's an author and she wrote this book blue revolution and she introduced me to someone who i had absolutely no knowledge about and that person is the, by did, the name did, of... Did you tell your wife? I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You're not in trouble. It, it's, I'm not in trouble. And, uh, it, hey,
7: Pam, he's not coming home with us tonight. That's uh, okay. <laughs> Just.
9: this guy, his name uh, is Luna Leopold. Ah. And he was really the country's first hydrologist. He was born in 1916. He passed in 2006 at the age of 90 years old. but. When he joined the United States Geological Survey back in 1950, and even before that, somewhere in the decade of the late 40s, he was quoted as saying, water is the most critical resource issue of our lifetime and our children's lifetime. The health of our waters is the principal measure of how we live on the land. And to be that forward-thinking and back in the 40s and the 50s, this guy really pi- was a pioneer about studying watersheds. How He actually wrote a book on how rivers are formed, hmm. the geological formation of rivers. His mother was Hispanic. Um, his father was uh, Leopold Luna. or uh, I'm sorry, it was uh, Aldo Luna. Nope, take it. One more time, Aldo Leopold was the father, and he was the really the first um, naturalist conservationist that wrote and spoke about the need to um, have reverence for mm. nature, and that translated it, this reverence for the land. They came out of the Dust Bowl experience, where so many farmers' uh, lives were ruined mm-hmm. because of the drought. And that's what led to um, this uh, Aldo uh, Leopold working on crop uh, um, rotation, studying soils to be able to do a better job of meeting the needs of the crops that were being grown by the farmers. That reverence for the land then became a reverence for the rivers and a reverence for water that this particular gentleman luna leopold and I encourage you, anyone's listening if you want a fascinating story about how really the conservationist mov- movement started th- you know these are the folks that that got it going and
7: so it's amazing i mean we're in the water business irrigation business but since we've been doing this as you said earlier we've opened up a whole at least for me a whole new world of people that know everything that, about that the water, com- or, or know a lot yeah, about water. That the common person doesn't know about, and they don't realize the depth of all of this and what's really going on. Like I said, it's hard for people to understand. They just want to go to their faucet, turn the spigot on, and there's the water.
9: Well, if we were, if I want to get on my uh, economic um, soapbox, I could talk about you know markets and demand, and you know, yep. thankfully people are interested in things that they become specialists in, and they. Deliver services and products that other people trade for. You know that they get chance to uh, take advantage of. But you know the this water infrastructure within the state of California. When you think about what our guest said, uh, John Laird, he goes, you know, twenty five million people in the state of California drink water that started as snow in the northern Sierras, and that then gets delivered through the infrastructure throughout the state of California. And it's one of the reasons this water infrastructure is one of the reasons that the state of California has the single largest agricultural business. The total economic output of our agricultural industry in the state of California is larger than any other state.
7: Yep, And, and in some countries, too. And so – Blows yep, it away. Yep. So it's –
9: uh. And and I guess what I – the reason I I was mentioning this uh, um, uh, Leopold Luna was because it dovetails with Cynthia Barnett in saying that, you know, um, in the 70s, that decade, the movement was about stopping the building of dams and and big reservoirs that, hey – an environmental awakening that yep. said maybe that's not the best way to um, take care of our water needs.
7: But they're not saying that now. That's true.
9: <laughs> so that 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 was the big thing in the 70s when there was the big 75 76 drought. That was that yep. was huge. Then in the 90s after the you know four-year drought that ended in 1992 what happened after that? It has to do with your bathroom. There was a amazing movement right to retrofit toilets throughout the state of california that went on for over a decade it's still going on oh. and now you can't buy a toilet that uses more than 1.8 gallons per flush and they've gotten i think down to like 0. 0.9 gallons yep. per and flush and they have the
7: super flush button and uh, yeah, all so. those things is cool but you know how people say there's nothing like you can't get a free lunch Heard that expression. Yeah, there's no such thing as a free lunch, but, right? But we're giving out things so that people can get that. But there's a uh, water thing called IEUA, the yes. Empire Utility Agency, and they cover a realm of different water agencies.
9: Right. There's kind of like a miniature uh, metropolitan water right. district, right? Because right. they're like the wholesaler and they right. sell to many, you know.
7: They have a program for any listeners who live. With one of those water agencies who get water from my EUA, there's a new program that you can get a free smart controller.
9: That's right.
7: And you can also get a free audit of your irrigation system.
9: And does that include the
7: installation of the controller? Yes, it does. And it's a good controller, by the way. <laughs> I guess we're allowed to say it since we're, we have a sponsor. That's
9: right. That. Well, you know, they're paying for this. So That's right. Got to give them a little air time. Sure. I think it's the evolution controller, the Toro
7: Evolution Smart Controller. You bet, and it's a it's a really good controller. Again, we're not here to uh, to hawk our products, but uh, we we were selected as the controller of choice. Uh, and what you do is you contact your local water agency. Again, if if, if they get their water from Inland Empire Utility Agency, so that's Montclair, Chino Basin. Uh, you know, those areas around there. Uh, call in because, again, it's several hundred dollars that you don't have to lay out. It's all free. They come. They show you, that you. They give you a free class on how to how to work it. They even come and install it and, and get it to work for you. They'll program it for you. They'll come take a look at your sprinklers. Uh, if you need new high-efficiency nozzles, you can get those too for them. You get $100 worth for free. Uh, it's a great program that they have. And they're having a uh, an Earth Day coming up.
9: That's right, and I think one of us will be attending that. Yes,
7: it's at Chino Creek. It's a two-day deal uh, from what I've read, and uh, in fact, lots of a lot of Earth days are going to be there.
9: Oh, that's great. This is a unique opportunity, very helpful opportunity. If you are a homeowner and you have questions about how to reduce your water bill by reducing the amount of water that you're using in your outdoor irrigation system – that is a great place to come because there will be experts there ready to answer your questions, and we can all do just some things that don't even cost any money to right. help reduce that water waste.
7: Yeah, take take advantage of our knowledge. Um, you heard Mikeypedia over here before. He's he's the, he's the Sultan of sprinklers. I guess a new name I gave you tonight. I like that. Let's <laughs> we'll <laughs> well, get that. It's uh, a business card. There was
9: there was a song uh, by. Uh, uh, I remember. It's called uh, Sultans of Swing, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have to, we'll have to change yeah. up the words and do the Sultans I'll of Swing. Go sprinklers. home to my studio and write some music All for right, that. Yeah, yeah,
7: But uh, seriously, I mean, there's going to be lots of Earth Day events happening in, 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 in the month of uh, April. Also, they're kicking off next week on our show. We're going to have, speaking of that, we're going to have executive director of the Weiland Foundation, Steve Creech. And he's going to be talking about the kickoff on April 1st of the National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation, which is going to be in San Diego on the 1st and then they're going to take this little mobile learning experience uh 18 wheeler that, that that's a uh a 58 foot truck and it it opens up sideways into a 40 seat theater it has it makes rain inside and thunderstorms it's pretty cool they're going to take it to different schools and different states that's going to go around the country and uh, additionally on the show, we're going to have a gentleman named Robert Farnsworth, who's the chair of the Department of Horticulture for Saddleback College. He worked on a project with us and the Wyland in Dallas last year for, for the winner of the National Mayor's Challenge. We put in a and – and he helped design a uh, living educational garden. We had the um, – Administrator of the EPA, uh, Gina McCarthy there, the Mayor Rawlings. it was a big event with television and everything else, and we took a school with an empty quad that was just disgusting and we came in there and renovated the whole thing and made it a nice living garden with seats and plantings and it 's really are, are you telling
9: me that maybe they use some Toro? Drip irrigation yes, in order to water those vegetable gardens?
7: They, they used everything Toro. <laughs> All right. So we're, yeah. we're happy for that since Toro was a sponsor of that event. And, and you know, as I said, we don't sit here and hawk the product. That's not our thing to do. Well, but but, I think, you but, know, but, it, but it is a good, accepted product that everybody wants to use, and that's what they...
9: When they become aware of it, they certainly know they can rely on Toro. And, hey, it looks like we're coming to an end of another absolutely. show. Remember, we're still in a drought. Let's conserve water. Let's be treating water as that very important (laughs) natural resource.
7: Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend.